Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we need you. We come to you right now in Jesus' name. Asking for grace. Pleading for mercy. That tonight, these words will be your words, God. This time will be your time. And ask that you bless each and every one of these individuals with the words they just confessed over their lives, God. Freedom. Freedom. And I thank you that you have delivered freedom through your son, Jesus Christ. Not by the works of our hands, the works of righteousness, but by the blood and by grace. And with that grace, we have access to you, God. So we thank you for that access. We thank you that you sent your word and you healed them and delivered them from the destruction. I thank you that your words are in my mouth right now. And I thank you that your words that are in my mouth are carrying your glory, your power, and your presence. So let this night be about you, God. Let this night be about the people who have chosen you. And I thank you that you are doing a mighty work that no one can see and that all can see in Jesus' name. If we were to title this, which I'm supposing we do, the name I would like to use is, no, that's fine, A Perfect Time to Die. See, we've been listening to teachings about ascension, teachings about going to the next level, teachings about dying, and teachings about thinking big, believing big. So I, I kind of want to use a little bit of uh, a few things that I heard with the scriptures that I read on my long time. And this title this, it's a perfect time to die. Carl, if you can, can you give me Romans 6, 3? Isn't it good to get in the presence of the almighty God and sing and worship and edify the Lord and allow him to edify our spirits and our soul? See, we were created to worship God, to live for the king, to worship the king. And when we're not in that worship, when we're not in that time with God, we feel inadequate. We feel worthless. We feel as if our life has no meaning. But everything is tied to God. So we have to get close to the man who created us. Romans 6, 3 says, Are you ignorant of the fact that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? (laughs) Sometimes we take, uh, hey spring, we take Christ, we receive Christ and don't know what all comes with that. We don't understand that. When we receive Christ and we decide to make this walk or we decide to live this life, death comes with it. Death of yourself and your ways of doing things. So I have a question. How do we know we have a relationship with God, with Jesus, and with the Holy Spirit? Death, burial, and resurrection. 
Carl, can you give me Romans 6, 4, please? How many people have felt like they've died any time in life? But especially when you came to Christ and you really decided to live your life for him. Romans 6, 4 says, we were buried, therefore, with him by the baptism into death. So, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so we too might habitually live and behave in the newness of life. Excuse me. We have the choice at the born-again experience to die with Jesus Christ completely. The moment we receive Christ in our heart, we confess with our mouth, we can die right there to us. We can lay all things aside that do not belong to him, that are not of him, and choose to live a life of Christ. How many know that we have to die to our old ways? Our old ways of thinking, our old ways of speaking, our old ways of acting, anything that pertains to all things that are ungodly. See, when we receive Christ in our heart, we had a newness of life. That newness of life was the resurrection life. If we can get a grip of the resurrection life, the resurrection power that lives within us, look out world. We have to stop putting limits on God. Carrie said, think big. We think small because we limit God. We don't think small because we limit ourselves. Once you die to yourself and you receive Christ, we have to know that it's no longer about us. So our thoughts are no longer about us. So if we're not thinking big, we're limiting God. We're not even limiting ourselves. Carl, can you give me Romans 6, 5? For if we have become one with him by sharing a death like his, we shall also be one with him in sharing his resurrection by a new life lived for God. I think death was in all three of those scriptures. Yes. I'm one that don't like talking about death. I don't. Death don't feel good. But death is what we're supposed to have. Death is what, is, what, is, what we're called to in his walk with Christ. So if we become one with God or Jesus in the born-again experience, we experience the death. But we will also experience his resurrection, the new life. And that's what we really need to look forward to. We got to get out of the death portion. You got to die, bury the old man, and then be resurrected to a new life. Let's stop sleeping with the dead man. Let's stop meditating on the burial, staying in the viewing too long, the corpse decaying. No life is there, but we're hanging on. It's time to move on to the resurrection life. So we have died in the death of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It is time to live continually in his resurrection. Carl, can you give me Romans 6, 6 through 8? And this teaching won't be long. 
We know that our old, unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with him, Jesus, in order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil, that we might no longer be slaves of sin. For when a man dies, he is freed, loosed, delivered from the power of sin among men. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. If we're alive in Christ, we're dead to sin. If you're alive in sin, you're dead to Christ. Aren't you guys tired of allowing the works of a defeated demon to have rule over your life, to have conquering power over your thoughts and circumstances? What is sin? Carl, can you give me 1 John 3, 4? I want to talk about sin because if we're dead to sin and we're not partaking in sin actively, but not knowing what sin is, we can be partaking in it. And it says, everyone who commits, practices sin is guilty of lawlessness, for that is what sin is, lawlessness, the breaking, violating of God's law by transgression or neglect, being under, uh, unrestrained or unregulated by his commands and his will. So if you are not hearing to his commandments, you are in sin. How do you know what his commandments are if you don't read his word? The Bible is so huge. It's a big book. It's a gigantic book. I can read a hundred things and Tori opens up the Bible and read a hundred things and we can absolutely not read the same thing. You have to get into his word. You have to know what God requires of us. All right, James 4.17, please, Carl. Which is something we do knowingly and sometimes unknowingly. But today, let's get knowledge so we can cut the works of the enemy in half and throw them in the fire. So any person who knows what is right to do but does not do it, to him it is sin. Knowing the right thing and not doing it is sin. All right. In Romans 14, 23, which is a really good one, which kind of can tie everything into everything. But the man who has doubts, misgivings, and uneasy conscience about eating and then eats, perhaps because of you, stands condemned before God because he is not true to his convictions and he does not act from faith. For whatever does not originate and proceed from faith is sin. Whatever is done without a conviction of its approval by God is sinful. Carl, give it to me in the uh, New King if you can. It says the same thing, but it's not so lengthy. But, who, but he who doubts is condemned, for if he eats because he does not eat from faith, for whatever is not from faith is sin. Anything that's not of faith is sin. That really just covers everything. It's a multitude. Unbelief is sin. Doubt is sin. All that was crucified with Christ. 
So every unbelief, every doubt, every fear that we had before and after our new life was nailed to the cross with Christ. But do we believe that? Again, we have to reiterate that we're dead. It's not even us living anymore. It's Christ living through us. Yes, we have a choice. But let that choice be your will, Lord, not my will. And then you can move in faith because God will cover you. It's his word. When you put all your trust on him, not thinking that next bill is going to get paid, it's sin. Worrying about what you're going to eat is sin. Not loving another person is sin. Anything that's not a faith is sin. Doubting that Jesus can heal you is sin. That he can wipe away every ugly thought that is in your mind. That's sin. And I'm going to tell you this. I was a sinner. I'm telling you, it was me. I can get up and say this because I dealt with that. And we all still have our challenges. No one's perfect. We deal with unbelief. That's why we pray. God, help me with my unbelief. Pretty much we're playing God. God, help me with my sin. Because ultimately, all we want to do is believe Jesus. We want to know that he is real. We want to know that God is real. We want to know that Jesus is his son. But let's keep it real. We got to build our faith. We spoke about that last time I spoke was, you know, there's a few ways you can build your faith. You got to read the word, speak it out loud, trust your voice, um, listen to teachings, and then listen to testimonies. Listen to testimonies, man. I'm kind of really feeling that. Sometimes our soul can make us think that God will do things for other people, but he won't do them for us. But in God's word, you have to read it. It says he's no respecter of persons. So if you do it for somebody else, he'll do it for you. You have to believe that. So listen to the word. Read the word out loud. Listen to teachings. And um, get some faith-building testimonies about Jesus Christ. Because the faith that we really need to believe in, that Jesus was the Son of God and is the Son of God. He died for us, lived under, uh, went in the grave under the earth for three days and was resurrected. And when he was resurrected... He made a public mockery of Satan and took all his power. We must believe, have complete faith that Jesus is Jesus, the Messiah, the one true king, the one sent to save the world from destruction. Romans 6, 11 through 14. If you want, you can put it, you can keep it in New King. I laughed. Because I think Jane did a teaching on dying to self. And I got up there and I left. I said, I look forward to seeing everyone dying. And then your boy died. <laughs> it's funny. I said, Lord, I think I stuck my hand up and said, I'll be the first one. <laughs> we want to get to the place where we can experience death without it showing. You know what I'm saying? You want it to be that quick. You want to die, be buried, and then resurrected to the newness of life that God has prepared you for. That's what that death is for. He's, he's prepared you for 
something greater than what you just had or something greater you just experienced. But that's the only way to get to it, death of self. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as an instrument of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as, a, as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So anything that we just listed, lawlessness, knowing the right thing and not doing it and not having faith, don't let that be in your body. Don't let it reign or rule over you because it can and it will dictate your life. It dictates your actions. And it keeps you from moving in that newness of life that Christ died for. We got to take on the mind of Christ. Carrie's teaching was definitely edificial for the soul. I'm telling you, think big. We always want to think big, right? I think we've all been thinking big for years now, but it was to a point. We have limited God long enough. And this is a season of great grace. Some may say of God to do a mighty work of uh, healing, restoration, whatever it is for you. But I'm thinking big because the word says he is he can do exceedingly abundantly far above what we can think. So if I'm thinking big, he's still going to do bigger than that. We got to hold on to that word. In times of struggle, you got to hold on to that word. God gave us all the word. The word he gave me said we, <laughs> basically, we get the promise through faith, not by works at all. It's based on faith, the promise. We all got promises. That's the word. Whether that be debt-free, children, a uh, great business, a great marriage, all that. That's by faith. Now, in faith, God may give you instructions, and then you go into movement. You go into action. But not works of the flesh, not works of righteousness, works of faith. So we got to put our mind on a gigantic God, the God who created all the universe, who got more stars than we can count, then created every individual distinctly unique that has all power. We got to put our mind on a God that can do anything and wants to do everything our hearts desire and really start limiting God. I was so pumped by Kerry's teaching because he talked about Philip the Evangelist. And I remember reading about Philip the Evangelist, and I had a word spoken to me about Philip the Evangelist. Philip the Evangelist was like sold out for God. He didn't, you know, he served the apostles, and then God sent him on to do his thing. That guy was like rogue for Jesus, rogue for the Lord. Um, so when God sent him to go to the desert, he just went, man. Okay. He, he, he took off. In the desert, and Carrie's talking about what's in the desert. You got heat, you got lack of water, all these different things. But that dude didn't care. And when I was talking to Carrie Sunday, he said he left out a few things, and I'm, I'm going to use it. Um, he said it was interesting because if they was in the desert, it was lack of water. And after Philip taught the Ethiopian, he wanted to be baptized. God provided water for the Ethiopian to be baptized. All because he had a vessel that was willing to go where he told him to go and didn't care when or where. If we get to that mindset that it's Christ who is leading my life 
It doesn't matter where the lack is. And we always say it don't matter where the lack is. We always say that. But truly, it doesn't matter where the lack is because God can provide. He put money in a fish's mouth. He provided bread and fish for the people who were listening to his teaching. More than 5,000. I can't imagine feeding that many people. Now, with money. But God, Jesus can do anything. We have to take on the mind of Christ. Can you give me Galatians 2.20? I'm almost done. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the new life, which I now live in the flesh, a mortal body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We got to get the mindset, even though it's hard. It's not us living anymore. It's Christ living through us. Yes, we have families to take care of. Yes, we have things to take care of. Yes, we have work. But we must put God first in everything. Everything. And the word says if you love mother, father, wife, children more than me, you're not worthy of me. You have to lay them aside to serve the king, even if he gave them to you. He did give them to you. You have to lay that aside for the king. And do it with love. Shout out to Mimi. Can I get Colossians 2.20? And I want to go to 3.10. This was like the first Remo word, revealed word I received when I came to the ministry. Colossians 2.20. And you can go, if you can go verse by verse, that'd be great. It says, therefore, you have, if you die with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? We are not under the rule of the world's kingdom. God would say, go pray for that person. Go turn that water into wine. Go crank that car with your hands. We can do that. So if we have died with Christ, we don't fall under the principles of the world. Saying you need jumper cables to start a car. Saying you need money to feed the hungry. We're on a whole nother level. Can you go to the next verse? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. Next, please. Which all concern things which perish, which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. Now, I believe this was referring to uh, rules and orders that were set in place to stay holy or stay pure on certain days and in the custom of the Jewish religion. But continue on. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and Self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. That's putting things over what God is asking you to do. God said, uh, Jesus spoke about if one sheep goes away, which one of you will not go and get the sheep? Even if it's on the Sabbath. He said he'll go out and get them. And then, they, you know, when he had the man with the withered hand and the Pharisees like, are you going to, you know, heal on the Sabbath? And, um. Basically, Jesus did because it's more important to see somebody receive wholeness than to abide by a law that was put in place for wholeness. You know. Next verse, please. If then you were raised with Christ. Now, that's the real question. 
Have you been raised with Christ? Do you believe that? Have you partaken in the resurrection life of Christ? Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Seek those things which are above. When I spoke about it, ascending, that's what it's talking about. Seek the things that are in the heavenly realm, not in the earthly realm. Seek the things that are in the supernatural realm and not in the natural realm. Meaning we have to go to a place with God that our eyes can see everything, but our eyes not see anything. We have to be able to go to a place with God where our eyes can see everything, but our eyes don't see anything. Meaning you're using your spiritual senses. You know, you get in worship. Some people say they hear angels sing. Some people say they smell a sweet aroma. They, you know, they do all these different things. Those are the spiritual senses being activated. When you come close to the presence of God and God to activate them for you, it's not something you have to do. He wants you to experience what it is to be in the third heaven. To be near his throne. All right, next verse, please. Set your minds on the things above, not on the things of the earth. Animals are of the earth. Okay, there's flesh in our nature. So set your mind on things above, supernatural, spiritual things, and not on our carnality, not on our animal impulses, not on how we're going to feed ourselves, not on how we're going to protect our family, not on those things, but seek how can I serve God better? How can I get more time with God? How can I help this person receive their healing? Has God asked me to pray for this person? You know, stuff like that. I also believe God is taking us to that new level of faith to activate his power to the ungodly, to those who need healing, to those who are, you know, in Christ, but haven't received the manifestation of his resurrection, which is wholeness in areas. I think God has called each and every one of us to hear his voice and to move when he speaks without hesitation. All right, what we got? Next one, please. For you died and your life is hidden in Christ. Can you get that to me in an amp, please? For as far as the world is concerned, you have died. Wow. <laughs> you don't even. The world. It's not even you living. <laughs> we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Which means we're subject sometimes to the environment. But that doesn't mean we don't have dominion over it. We're just subject to it. Meaning, I can experience rain. We can cause the storm to go away. But if we don't, the rain's still going to fall on me. But as far as the world is concerned, the people in your life that are watching you, at your workplace, your family, anybody, you are died. They should look at you and say, this man is really all about Jesus. He has so much love in him that it's not even him. He has laid down his life completely. And your new and real life is hidden with Christ and God. We got to seek Jesus to really see what that life is. I'm getting bits and pieces. And I know I'm getting bits and pieces because when I see something and it brings compassion on my heart, I know I'm called to it. So the more I press in and seek God, he's going to show me the hidden things about my life that I need to know to progress in faith 
and to serve him. Next one, please. When Christ, who is our life, <laughs> we don't even have our own life. Christ is our life, appears. Then you also appear with him in the splendor of his glory. Next, please. So kill, deaden, deprive of power, the evil desires lurking in your members, those animal impulses, and all that is earthly in you, that is employed in sin, sexual vice, impurity, sensual appetites, unholy desires, and all greed and covetedness, covetedness, for that is idolatry and a defying of self and other created things instead of God. So kill the old man, that lust, that perversion, that fornication, that adultery. Boy, I'm like, hey, when I was reading this today, I said, Lord, you gave me something that I didn't I done did all of this. No joke. I lied. I stole. <laughs> I fornicated. I committed adultery multiple times. Um, <laughs> all that stuff. I was, uh, but God is good because he delivered me from that. And that's why I can get up here and talk about it because I don't have that in me no more. I remember when I was subject to my animal impulses. And in the moment those impulses turned on, I was under Satan's control in God's kingdom. That is an ugly thing. Under Satan's control, under Satan's control in God's kingdom because I was already born again. But I subjected myself to the impulses, animal impulses. And in the word it says, I think it says, <laughs> sin is fun for a while, for a moment, but then it ultimately leads to our death. That death. Oh my goodness. When I say that death, I experienced everything that I partook in probably times 100. The pain was unbearable. The pain was to the point that I wanted to not even live. I wanted to not even be alive. It was that bad. But the pain is generally up here. You can feel pain in your body. Um, but the pain is the torment of the mind. And not ever thinking you can come out of a situation or pain or feeling that you have gotten yourself into. But God is a merciful God. He's a loving God. And he is willing to deliver you. And what I believe, he's already delivered you because through the confession and the songs that you sang today. That's what I believe. I said, Lord, do you even want me to get up and speak about this? All hearts were poured out to God. You know? But we have to get knowledge because maybe this teaching isn't for you, but maybe it's for somebody else out there who need to know that it's time to give up their life and live for Christ. And in order to live for Christ, you can't live in sin. See, I believe God put me on this earth. I'm a loving dude, but I'm a hater of sin. Because I've seen what it did do to people. I've seen what it did to myself. And I'm an extreme. So if I'm living one way, I'm going to really live that way. So the moment I got captured by God, it was over. It was a wrap. Yes. We got to put it on the mic. What do sensual appetites mean? It's, it's going with um, 
sensual is anything that's kind of like uh, appeasing to the flesh. So that's it's, it's really going back with uh, sexual stuff. Anything that can be pornography, that can be uh, homosexuality, that can be um, what I was saying before, adultery. It's even thoughts. It's like meditating on um, anything sexual, stuff like that, and desiring it, and then wanting it. Appetite is something that you desire, you know? So the appetite, the central appetite is wanting to, I guess, please the fleshly nature. Good question, Mimi. And then you see in this talking about when we do this, if we don't kill them, we're putting them above God. It's idolatry. See, I read in the, in the word, it says, whoever believes in Christ, there is no shame. So you can read this right now and know that we have partaken in this, but there's no shame because we believe in the living God. We believe in Jesus. And don't let anybody put anything on you. Don't let anybody. You are justified by Christ. Now, in Jesus' name, there is nothing else that anybody can say to you to make you feel unworthy. Don't even let Satan do it. We give Satan access to our soul. Pondering the thought, we give him access. We can stop that thought and say, that's not a God. How do you know a thought's from God or from Satan? You have to know his word. You have to spend time in his presence. It says in his presence, the fullness of joy, not fullness of fear. You know? And God will speak to you however you need to be heard, but however you need to hear him. What I would do coming up, growing up in the ministry, I struggle with the voice of God. I got every teaching that said how to hear the voice of God. I read every teaching on how to hear the voice of God. God's not going to inflict fear on you. It's faith versus fear. If you hear God and it puts faith in your heart and in your soul, that's him. Or if you hear a voice. And if you hear a voice and it puts fear on you, that's of Satan. Or pride. Anything that's not a God. Next verse, please. It is on the account of these very sins that the holy anger of God is ever coming upon the sons of disobedience. Those who are obstinately opposed to the divine will basically continually to partake in those activities. It says the holy anger of God. That is love. That's love. Its highest level of love is uh, discipline. It is uh, chastening, rebuking, and scourging. You don't want to get to the scourge portion. Because it is not good, but it's great. Because it ultimately leads you back to God. Next verse, please. We're almost done. Among you whom, among whom you also once walked, when you were living in and addicted to such practices. Go ahead. But now put away and rid yourselves completely of all things: anger, rage, bad feeling towards others, curses and slander. You got to watch what you say, and foul mouth, abuse, and shameful utterances from your lips. Colossians is not playing. <laughs> that old man, he got to go, man. That mouth, that mouth is so powerful. I remember growing up in Christ, I was 14, 15. I had a bad mouth, and I prayed and asked God to deliver me from cursing. 
and it, it was in a moment. I stopped cursing like it was day and night or, you know, a flip of a page. I don't even know how you would say it. But I, the moment I asked, I stopped cussing. And I went from 14 to 19 when I was joining the military. And the culture, which is the world, jumped on me. I came back from basic training. And everybody in me was like, CJ, you cursing? And I was just, man, it's the military life, you know? And I was proud to be in the military. So I just kind of, you know, just went with the, uh, the culture. And so I wrote that from 19, when did we call it? 22? What was that, 25 when we came here? Yeah, it was 25. I, I wrote that all the way till I was 25, six years, cursing, foul-mouthed, nasty, perverted language, inviting death all in my life, invoking evil, all that stuff. And I didn't even understand why when I was really coming to Christ, all that stuff was coming down on me, <laughs> everything I ever spoke. But I'm, I'm pretty good about, when I say I'm pretty good about this, I mean, I do my best to not speak that. And I would really like to challenge you. Man, put a guard on those lips. Cussing, any language that is not edifying is pretty much a curse. You really gotta watch what you say, you know? Uh, even jokingly, even jokingly, because um, God's gonna honor what you say. He said he put before you life or death. You choose, you know? We wanna choose life. So if you don't got something nice to say, don't say anything at all. And then submit it to God and ask him to change your heart and your soul on that. Oh, next verse, sorry. <laughs> Do not lie to one another, for you have stripped off the old, unregenerate self with his evil practices. We got to stop lying, man. It ain't even important. It's not that big of a deal. God done covered you. Y'all got to know that. Stop lying. Can you remember the last time you lied? I remember. Oh, it, it destroyed me. Oh my goodness, it hurt me so bad. My, I, I really, I felt the, the grieving of the Holy Spirit. I said, Lord, don't let me do it anymore. That was enough. The Holy Spirit grieving was enough, not even the, the recourse of me lying. The Holy Spirit panting, hurting, was enough to make me not want to lie anymore. And then 310, please. We're almost done. And have clothed yourself with the new spiritual self, which is ever in the process of being renewed and remolded into fuller and more perfect knowledge upon knowledge after the image and likeness of him who created it. You get rid of those things, you're going to look like, look like the Lord, look like Jesus, look like God. And we grow into it. We're always in the process of it. What helps, I was talking to Mimi, and I always say this. I'm going to keep saying it, too. We learn who Jesus is in the Gospels. We watch him. It's a, it's a picture of Christ. It's a story of who he was, the things he did, how he loves us. You get into the epistles, the letter to the churches and to the people. That is how you got to start getting your mind renewed. People don't want to go in there. They were to stay in the Old Testament, which is... Everything up until John. Resurrection and life. And those guys had a revelation of Christ. Those apostles. Those ministers. You get in there, you read that, meditate on those things, and allow God to reshape and renew this. 
I believe you need to spend time in the gospel. We got to know who, who, who the Lord we serve. We got to know how he loves us, how he wants to heal, how he healed. We need to know that. But as we grow, I need to learn how to walk like him. I need to learn how to talk like him. You know, get in those epistles, get in those, and let that death die. I mean, let that life die. Let that flesh die. You get into the epistles, it will challenge your soul. It will. It will. I mean, when I first got assignment, Gene sat me down. He said, I want, this is what I want you to do, Chris. I want you to read the gospels and the epistles, the gospels and the epistles, the gospel and the epistles. Don't read nothing else. I said, all right, yay. Boy, that boy got through the, the gospels, and it was cool because I started seeing stuff I'd never seen before. Like, I think at Matthew or Mark, one of them, they mentioned Jesus as the son of man like over 30 times. And it really dropped my mind. Like, why do they keep calling him the son of man? I didn't know why. Because he's the son of God. So a little stuff like that. But when I got in those, those epistles, boy, my flesh started to come down. It was like a demand on me to change. A demand. Because I knew what God had called me to. You can't be up here ministering and, you know, thinking lustful thoughts and thinking evil thoughts, hatred on people and stuff like that. Man, you can't do that. And then you spitting on folks. <laughs> and they mad at you. You don't know why they're mad. Because you got mad at you mad at them. See, but God, see, we have to get knowledge. It says, in all you're getting, get understanding. It says, wisdom is the principal thing, and all you're getting, get understanding. And it says, it's not good for a soul to not have knowledge. That's in Proverbs. We need all three. You couple all those together, and you go to the third heaven, you can get pure revelation from God. The Holy Spirit has to have something to work with. So the anointing of God is to break yokes of wickedness, the entrapments of Satan. That's the anointing of God. The Holy Spirit needs something to work with. So we can cap off the anointing through our lack of knowledge in the word. You can do that. And you see why some people can go into the marketplace in an instant get people freed up. You can see it happening here. That soul. God's glory is his presence and his power. We're supposed to be the carriers of his presence. Okay? His presence and his power. His power is the anointing to break the yoke. Coupled with his person. That's what you get when you, when you ascend with him. When you spend time with him. You know, we spent, maybe me, 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 and Kenrick before a few of y'all came in. I might, totally might have spent two and a half hours maybe worshiping right before this, you know? And I was determined to get in here. I wanted to get in here and worship. I said, I got to worship a whole bunch before speaking. Because I really just, I wanted to spend time with God, you know? And it's important because it can be in an instant. It was two songs, and I was already weeping. A good indication that you're ascending is that you're, you're, you, you may become emotional. I would ask, I would I always ask, I'll send texts. Why do I keep weeping uncontrollably in worship? I wouldn't even be in here. I'd be, you know, somewhere off to a military, military training. That is a third heaven experience. Um, so you can ascend and not see anything. And God is doing the healing. God can be doing a ton, ton of works. So just because you don't see something don't mean you're not ascending. Now, the people who do see, that is time spent with God. Purity. You have to be pure to go before the Lord and sit and even kneel and lay before him in his presence. That's why people can see stuff. Speaking of that, God wants to show you things. That's why we can't have that sin. 
It will clog our mind. It will defile our thoughts. And we think we're hearing we're seeing from God, and we're not. All right, Philippians 3.10. Then I got one note, and we're done. Philippians 3.10. Is it 3.10? Yeah, we did. For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively come more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death. And the hope. Go back for me, Carl. We got to get acquainted with his resurrection. We spent a lot of time in Christ's death. Jesus died for me. Jesus resurrected for you too. And that was the blessing. He overcame death in the grave. That means you can overcome all things through Christ. It says, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know? And that death <laughs> that we we are suffering <laughs> is to be continually transformed in the, in the spirit into his likeness. That's beautiful, man. Do we know really how Jesus walked? With complete peace. Man, we want peace up here. That's true success. Soul peace with God. Soul peace. No confusion. No disruption. A clear tunnel with the Lord. A clear column or you know, whatever you want to call it, with God. All right, I'm only going to use one. <laughs> Jen gave us a, a little thing about this, maybe it was 14 signs that a person is dying to self. Um, give me John 55, 19. What time is it? I can't see that clock. All right, we're about to be done in like one minute. John 5, 19 is the very first note, and it says, uh, a sign of death to self. It says, so Jesus answered them saying, I surely, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, the son is able to do nothing of himself, of his own accord, but he's able to do only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does is what the son does, and in the same way, in his turn. It says, the note was, that person has no personal will. That was the very first one on that sheet. You have no personal will. It is God's will before your will at all times. And then you, are, you really want to get real. There's, you don't even have a will. You wake up and you really see God saying, what am I to do? Now, when you're, you know, you may have work. God's not telling you. He may tell you not to go to work that day, but you still go and do the things that you're, you know, advised or I don't know how to word to say it, but you would do on a normal basis. But always put God's will first in it. God's will first in it. And let him show up. Let him do what his will is. No personal will. That means you, you don't, you're not to care what people think when God asks you to step out and do something. You just do it. Got to have it on the mic, Mimi. We love the sound of your voice. All right. So I was in class or whatever, and I just had my worship music on, and God was like, leave it on. Just leave it on. It may reach a lot of people. Yeah. And so I was like, ah, I need to turn this off. I don't want them to look at me like, you listen to worship? 
But I just kept it on. Yeah. It felt good to obey God, didn't it? Yeah. It does. You don't know who you touch. Just because God tell you to do something, don't mean you're going to see the results of it. You know? Again, that's our own will. Wanting to see what God then did in the situation. Man, we should just do it and let that be that. All right, I'm not going to share that note that I had. Um, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to leave. And um, I just thank God that he sent y'all tonight. That car, that Kathleen Carnally, man, yeah. that will definitely destroy your flesh. <laughs> it's about that. That's what it's about. You know, that anointing. And um, she has it on her voice. And um, I believe each and every person, whatever you're struggling with, whatever your battle is, you got freed from it today. And now you just know what you can't go back in. It's a conscious thing. That's our choice being conscious to make a choice. So we have to learn who God is. You know, we got to spend time with him. Spend time, spend time. I remember spending three, four, five, six hours at a time reading. Reading. God gave me that freedom. I'm not saying that everybody's going to have that. Um, but it came with a cost. You know? So um, what you can devote to him, I would devote to him. And for the women, he's really requiring of you right now. And for the men, he's always requiring of you. We don't, we don't get a break. I'm not saying the women do, but it's severe on the men because we are here to execute the will of God, to be ministers of love. Anybody got anything before I pray? You got something, baby? Okay. Lord Jesus, our gracious and heavenly Father, and precious Holy Spirit, we thank you, we praise you, we give you all the honor, all the glory, and I'm asking that the words that were spoken today will be what they're meant to be for the hearer, for your glory, for your will, for your purposes, Lord, for I am nothing without you, for I have died, and it's now that you that lives, God. And it's now that you that lives in them, for they have died. And we accept that life, we receive that life, and we walk in that life continually, day by day, seeking your will, seeking your way, and obeying. We ask that you infiltrate our souls, take full dominion over these bodies, and have your way. Consume us with your love, with your person. Consume us with your fire. Consume us and allow us to live a life worthy of what you have called us to. There is no one like the Son of God. There is no one like our Father in heaven. And there is no one like our helper, who you sent to help guide us and lead us in the directions and the places we are to go. So I ask that you just push it in our hearts. Give us a supernatural hunger. Give us a supernatural thirst for your word, to worship you, your presence, and ask that we grow in knowledge and wisdom of you day by day. In Jesus' name, amen. Peace.